0: Welcome to Stay Engaged 2021. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you day by day. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Quantcast, creators of a new and innovative intelligent audience platform. Today's session from Kantar and the University of Oxford asks, is there one perfect media plan that covers all of the brand outcomes? And can channels be easily substituted to meet the same marketing objectives? In this episode, they share a new analysis of thousands of ad campaigns, which brings to life real media planning dilemmas. This is the largest academic study into brand building effectiveness and promises to share how advertisers can make their campaigns 2.6 times more effective by allocating media spend differently.
1: Hello, I'm Hannah Wally, Head of Media Effectiveness at Kantar UK and Ireland.
2: And I'm Felipe Tomas. I'm Associate Professor of Marketing at Said Business School at the University of Oxford.
1: Firstly, I just wanted to say thank you to IAB UK. We're really pleased to be part of the Stay Engaged event this year. In this podcast, we'll be discussing whether there's a perfect channel recipe for effective brand advertising, answering questions such as, is there one perfect media plan that covers off all brand outcomes and can channels be easily substituted to meet the same marketing objectives? Before we go into the detail, Felipe, could you give us a bit of background on how we collaborated together, Sire Business School and Cantar, and why we chose this particular topic?
2: Sure. So one of the unique and neat things of working in Oxford is how we come to our questions. We're lucky enough to have created the Future of Marketing Initiative, headed up by Professor Andrew Stephen, which brings together all sorts of very interesting companies to collaborate with us on research. So Kantar was one of the initial partners and founding partners of this initiative. And the idea is to actually go and talk to the leadership in these companies and understand what it is that Keeps them up at night, <laughs> what the biggest issues are and things that are necessarily like unsolvable or concerns that they have that requires maybe some, you know, academic intervention, as it were. And that's how we came to these ideas. That's how we come to these discussions. There was a common thread in talking to a number of our partners and there's 12 companies in total that sit on this board, as it were. The decision and tensions around spend and allocation and appropriate allocation of your marketing budget and your media budget became kind of crucial, especially when you're talking about, oh, but I have, there's a new channel, nascent channel. What do I do? How does my world change? How do I explore and exploit this environment? That became kind of a crucial question. And Luckily enough, because of our partnership with Cantor and that environment, we had the the data asset to be able to go on and answer that question. Otherwise, that would have just stayed in the realm of, wouldn't it be nice to know?
1: Exactly. So obviously, based on those discussions, we shared with you a database of over a thousand campaigns where the average spend was around $12 million dollars. And it covered off over 500 brands, 23 industries, 51 different countries across regions. So that's a big data set. How do you even start analyzing something like that?
2: That's a super fun challenge for an academic, right? So the next biggest academic study, just for frame of reference, had eight campaigns. So we're talking about a significant jump function in view into this world right? So this data set and this sort of analysis has all sorts of very interesting problems. The size is part of it. There's a lot going on in the data. The other thing is how firms go about creating their ad budgets and their allocation decisions. You do have a situation where you always have always on channels, right? Like you see something like, we'll come back to talking a lot about television, but you probably wouldn't be surprised that most ad campaigns include television in it somewhere. So if you're just going to do a simple analysis and frequency and what works, what doesn't, and you do classic MMM sort of modeling, you're going to rely on that historic and always on saying this must be really important. So that forces the structure in a very dangerous way. The other bit is a combinatorial problem. So if you're looking at 11 channels, which is what was provided to us in this data set. So that's quite a lot of options for you to create the optimum portfolio of investment, right? Because I have 11 things that I can have on or off, even before we talk about amount spent within each one. So just thinking simples ones and zeros, do I use it versus not use it? You have 2047 options that you can pursue, <laughs> With 11 total channels. So if you're saying, if I'm going to just model this in a standard, you know, classic MMM regression aspect, you can't account for all of the possible interactions. So that causes a lot of then our selection on how we go about studying this because we can't use traditional methods. We can't use some of like standard, easy to deploy ideas because we can't, it it won't converge. It won't get you an answer. It won't get you to a solution because everything is too... Possible, right? Like it's too big. There's too many alternatives, which creates a huge issue.
1: I think the number of options available is actually quite shocking when you look at what the different iterations could be. And I think that explains why so many marketers are unsure that they're getting the balance right between their channels, because actually there's just so many levers that you can pull. So I, th- I think this has really highlighted that, I think, as well, in terms of how complex it can be.
2: Yeah, it just causes a, a huge issue and you have all of this possible space that you can explore. And then if you enumerate all of this mapping, right? If you look at, do I observe all of these options executed? And you actually don't. <laughs> That's the other bit is there is no campaign that uses only you know cinema, right? right? That's one of 2047 options, but they never turn on any other thing. Everything else is a zero, cinema is always one. That doesn't exist. That's an empty field. So you start looking at it's sparsely populated. It's clustered in certain areas, which shows kind of the experience of these planners going saying, yeah, this is what I use frequently. This is what I use less frequently. And we can start to observe when you start mapping it in this pseudo relational way to get an understanding of how these things kind of work created. So the way that we approach it is towards this in a pseudo-relational aspect to saying, okay, so these things are used for a reason or another. So there's a, a strategic component of why you turn something on or off. Can we elicit that and and map it and extract it from the data because we're observing the consequence of strategic decisions. Can I bring that out and actually make and sometimes I think they're tacit, like they're just in your head, you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but there's no formalized like recipe. It's just like, oh, I know what I'm doing, but you can tell me what it is. Here, over these thousands of campaigns, I can actually create that mapping of the choices being made. And that's where that spectral clustering comes in, which creates this distance between options and groups channels together that are used frequently and he creates essentially nine different recipes that we were able to observe like nine big clusters that show oh these things are distinct and they're used differently and they're used in different conditions and situations and then once we had that number and we had that visibility then becomes a simpler aspect it resolves that too many options problem because we've gone now from a space of two thousand plus alternatives to nine alternatives that we know are effective in a way for different areas, different goals. And people might be very close to their recipe or they move away from that recipe, but these are my core. And then I can throw it into a model like we use a hierarchical Bayesian model that explains then the outcomes that my brand is worried about with respect to these choices, not just the specific conditions of a channel, but then the combination of the channels. And I think to me, that was the most exciting bit in previous research. So if you turn two things on at the same time, the effectiveness of one or the other changes as a function of having the other one on or off, right? So if I have TV and Twitter on at the same time, the effectiveness of Twitter and the effectiveness of TV changes by effect of that combination. That's very cool, something that we captured. The other bit that gets swept under the rug, especially in the academic circles, frankly, is the combinatorial effect of it, the complementarity of the channels. Not just that they change each other's effectiveness, but do they work well together to give you an outcome, right? Which goes towards more classic ideas of integrated marketing comms, having these combinations of channels, giving you the synergistic effects, And that's what we go towards capturing. It's not just that they change each other's effectiveness, but they combine in amazing ways to give you a better lift.
1: I guess to summarize that, (laughs) a combination of machine learning and advanced modeling was used to take all of these 2000 combinations to identify nine key combinations of channels that drive brand metrics such as awareness brand associations and brand consideration. And that's basically where we netted out, right? And then we started to play with that data to understand a bit more about how it all works and how efficient these channels are.
2: Yeah, and out of that, we came to some pretty interesting conclusions and findings, right? So once you look at these possibilities, there is no single answer across all of those KPIs that you mentioned. That's how we come to the name of the paper, the name of the project. We say there's no such thing as a silver bullet. There is no singular solution to this problem. What you end up with is depending on the goal, depending on the outcome that you're trying to drive, you are going to get a different answer. And that to me causes a significant problem in the deployment and the management of this process, which we can get to in a bit. I can't just come here and say, all you have to do is X, carry on, you're fine, and Quite frankly, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, by the way, all you have to do is X, you're being sold. (laughs) It's wrong. It's not going to work. Or on the other side, I'll just kind of steal a bit of my own thunder. If you turn everything on, right, if Hmm. you try to do everything at the same time, then that is actually the worst performing thing that we observe. So not only is it that there's no singular solution, is trying to do all solutions at once gets you in the worst competitive position. So that's, to me, that was huge and very interesting.
1: So we shouldn't be hedging our bets when we're planning our media, turning the bits on. We should focus on a few key channels that can really help drive the objective that you're trying to deliver.
2: Precisely. And I can see the motivation. I can see the wheels turning and saying, oh, I already have this asset. Might as well use it here, right? Oh, why don't I put this over here in this other channel? Or I have this little spare budget and I'm going to lose it if I don't use it, right? That's mm-hmm. the, one of the most common curses in marketing. Use it or lose it budgeting. And it says, oh, I'm just going to turn this on. Might as well. What's it going to do? What's it going to hurt? It turns out that it actually will. Having It dilutes your effort, And then your lift, your effectiveness in your ad spend is just going to go way down. And that's where we're starting to see this huge inefficiency in the marketplace in these allocations by virtue of dilution.
1: And one of the findings was that most campaigns can be much more effective with reallocation of spend. But it was actually quite a surprising number, wasn't it, in terms of how much more effective they could be?
2: Yeah, so this was part of one of the earliest questions that we got. You have to answer the so what question. You found that this matters, this is an interesting effect, but so what? <laughs> How much money's on the table? So this bit came from a bit of separate financial modeling. If you're familiar with stocks and building portfolios, this is exactly that sort of calculation. It's an efficient frontier calculation where you're saying you have the opportunity to buy into all of these different channels and you can organize them in all sorts of different campaigns or portfolios. And they're going to give you a different level of return and a different level of risk exposure, meaning that you could get the same lift, the same performance with much higher certainty, for example, with a different combination. So that's efficiency as well, so that you know, you're know, you trying to get 14% return on your marketing spend. I can nearly guarantee you that lower risk is also very valuable as compared to, I can give you that, but sometimes it might be negative returns, right? That's much higher risk. When you do that calculation and you create this frontier of what's possible in the efficient allocation, the best possible exchange between risk exposure and return we see that the average campaign is about 26 percent of the way towards that efficiency line like the best possible the best campaign that we saw was 70 percent of the way to perfection meaning that on average a campaign can at least get three times better and get something that we've observed as real. So you could have a theoretical best that is impossible to get, but we've observed people at a certain level. And on average, you can get, you know, 2.6 times better, more effective, either in lift or in certainty that you're going to get the lift that you're expecting or promised. So that to me is a significant amount of money on the table.
1: Yeah, and I think putting a number on it is really helpful. When we're working with clients measuring individual campaigns, we're often suggesting how they can optimize their campaign with different, you know, reach and frequency and spend levels, but to actually put a number on this generically across those thousand and one hundred campaigns to say, on average, a campaign can be 2.6% more effective with a different allocation of spend. That's huge.
2: The other part of the question goes to like, all right, so How am I misallocating, right? Like, how am I so inefficient? What is driving that issue? And where does that money come from then? If I need to rebalance, right? Like, then we get to the more fine-grained discussion of reallocation within my budgets. So it's not just on and off, but downweighing and upweighing channels that you might be concerned with, right? And one of the main interesting also like channel-specific things comes back to television, Right. It's a very unique and in analysis problematic channel because everybody uses it in a way. Right. It's always on kind of thing. And you have to kind of fight for part of the TV budget. So it's like by default on and by default, very high. So television is uniquely the only channel that drives all of the different KPIs. Yeah. So does it make sense that people are using it? Yes. So it's a universal balm in that sense that it will drive whatever KPI you want to drive. It is effective. Now, are people overweighing that? <laughs> yes, that's the other thing, right? It's, this is a good thing. This is a really good thing. So I'm going to just eat nothing but this good thing. And that's the behavior that we're seeing. It's so it that you're not leveraging the complementarities with other channels. So it works really well and it works across all of these dimensions of performance, but that means people are betting way too heavily into it and they're not leveraging the efficiency gains that they can have by combining other channels with this powerful medium to get you a much better performance. So it's actually sucking up all of the budget (laughs) into itself because, you know, again, if you're just from outside and you're looking, this works. It works across things that I'm trying to drive. So why would I not put budget against it? but i think it's taken to such an extreme and always on that it's become thoughtless in a way and not cautious usage of the word there but it's gone too far to the point that actually better combinations of channels can get you that effectiveness and then can bring the best out of tv as well so i think we've crossed the line i've gone too far
1: yeah and i think i've you know i've been measuring campaigns for more than 10 years now and i do think the percentage of spend going to TV has reduced over that time as more channels have come into the mix. But it still feels like those, some of those other channels aren't getting enough spend to have a real impact, which I think comes back to your point around hedging and including a bit of all channels. That doesn't work either, right? But it's because there's only bits of spend for them to have, whereas a bigger investment in some of those other channels that we know can work well will actually help that campaign become more efficient.
2: There's a couple of things in there that we wanted to touch on. One of the interesting things is, to me, is that the buying of media has been for quite a while, as far as I understand, focused on reach. That as being a give me more eyeballs, right? That, that's what I'm measuring it on. And that favors a lot of specific channels. There's channels that are really good at driving and delivering that number, TV being foremost and early one of those. But it creates a false equivalence that says that an eyeball on TV is the same as an eyeball on social is the same as an eyeball on the side of the bus, right? Out of home is the same as, because it's just measuring exposure. And that's a false equivalent. Because we're seeing that these different channels are working for different contexts and working for different attention types and working for different brand outcomes, your ability to recall is being affected differently across channels. Your ability to create associations is changing differently across different channels. Your ability to be motivated and to actually get intent to buy is different across Different channels. It is a mistake to then assume that buying reach is sufficient. The way I like to think of it, and it might be a little coarse in a way, but I like to think of reach as an efficiency of the channel measure. Is it giving me good numbers within this type of asset that I'm buying? Right? So I'll give you an example. So cinema is a Phenomenal channel in driving outcomes, it is so incredibly powerful, but then it is tempered by reach in the sense that it is giving you fantastic outcomes, but only to a certain number of individuals. It has a supply problem, right? Like you want more people in cinema watching it because the the advertising lift and the value that they give is so phenomenal. It's like orders of magnitude better than a lot of other channels in the data set, but the efficiency that you get from that spend in the sense of how many individuals do I get, right? Like the ability to deliver on those is capped in a way. So you have a ceiling on how much you can leverage cinema. So that's to me is the difference on reach. It's not that you're just buying reach. The value of that individual in cinema is higher than almost any other channel, if I'm to be frank. But it's that how many of my target audience am I getting is the appropriate measure of reach. If you're getting reach to individuals that are irrelevant, that's leakage. You're spending against somebody that you don't want to send things to, that's problematic. So balancing that is what gets you efficiency gains and value out of this. And I think what that also speaks to you is something that people have come on to realize, quite frankly, but it's The traditional versus digital divide is fairly dead. It's not okay to think, oh, here's old media, here's new media, here's digital versus not. These worlds are commingled. And that single division is doing you a bit of a disservice. And if you want to think more broadly about the value that the channel is bringing you in terms of context, attention, and specific contribution towards your goal, then I think you're much better off.
1: We just touched on digital there and thinking about our audience today, the IAB audience, there were definitely some key learnings around digital channels that are measured as part of this analysis that were really, you know, impactful, I think. So within this, we saw social video and online display all featured as either major or minor channels in these nine combinations that we had. So for awareness, we saw TV, as we've mentioned previously, newspapers and outdoor worked really well as a typical channel mix. But for associations, it was TV, Facebook, and outdoor, as an example. And for consideration, it was TV, YouTube, Facebook, and online display all working well. And I think what's interesting about that is a question we get so often from clients is, can social or online display drive lo- lower funnel metrics for my brand? Can it do that job? Or is it just an awareness driver? And actually, from here, we did see brand associations and consideration when we we looked at the channel mix that currently best drives those, it actually involved a lot of those digital channels, which was really interesting.
2: Yeah, to me, that definitively kind of puts an you know <laughs> an answer to that question and we get that all the time you know I teach digital social media strategy at oxford and it's like yeah cool but can i build a brand <laughs> here can i create this asset can i construct a brand new asset here yeah here's a little bit of the pathway you've described the different channels that you turn on to build different components of your overall brand asset so for me that's brilliant and that goes again towards that dismantling of the differentiation across traditional that supposedly was better at one thing and digital at another. This is a whole lot of power in the hand of the media planners to create an asset that is gonna drive sales outcomes well into the future. And it's being done in these environments. To me, that's answered.
1: The analysis that you did where you were playing around with up-weighting and down-weighting based on spectral clustering, which I know nothing about, but I'm trying to learn as we go along. And we did see again that some of the digital channels would benefit from up-weighting to achieve some of these campaign objectives, right? And also cinema, which you mentioned previously, could also benefit from up-weighting because I know we talked about how cinema almost has an audience cap. But I don't feel many brands invest enough in cinema to even get close to that.
2: That's where that money on the table kind of stays, right? Like you're, you still have, you can leverage that and build your brand on that side. And that will get, cinema was very good on association awareness and actually even intent towards the the end drove that really well. We saw similar effects in YouTube, for example, as being under leveraged, which to me was surprising because in conversation with, you know, leadership and marketers kind of fairly broadly, people seem to be pretty turned on to YouTube. I don't think that's surprising for anybody, but it to me was surprising that the equation pointed to being underused, under leveraged and needing a little bit more similar with Facebook. That has that channel has been available for a very long time. You know, we've learned Facebook, but it's not being used for all aspects of the funnel, actually, or we're getting all the way from underused in salience to underused. So if you're doing towards introduction and starting your brand all the way towards conversion, we don't see that being used as much as it could, which goes to social discovery and kind of some of the stronger aspects of the digital have towards that build.
1: I think, you know, sometimes it's easy to think of some of these channels as new and they definitely aren't. I mean, I know we could both talk about this topic all day, but I'm thinking maybe we loop back to the questions we posed at the beginning to help brands and, you know, media planners and people within the industry. How can they use this research effectively? So is there one perfect media plan that covers off all brand outcomes? All
2: right. So- absolutely not there is no silver bullet you cannot there's no single path that will drive all of your brand outcomes that you're trying to drive you have to specify your goal what are you trying to accomplish are you trying to move and here we'll, we'll name the you know the the kpis that we had available to us are you driving salience are you driving brand associations are you driving consideration are you driving motivation intent to buy etc right? And that is going to matter differently for different times for your brand, different types of brands, your context, like you're going to have strong parts of your brand. You might be a very well-known brand that is not actually preferred. So investing into awareness when you're already strong in awareness is foolish (laughs) compared to investing in your weak part of the brand that can actually correct your, your weak point and create a stronger asset. So knowing what you need to shift and investing against that area is going to bring you money. And that's what's largely on the table right now is people trying to do everything at once.
1: And then the next question was, can channels be easily substituted to meet the same marketing objectives? Can I swap out YouTube for out of home or cinema for magazines, for example? What do we see there?
2: Right, so that is, not straightforward and that's something you need to be very careful with and something that we saw recently over the past two years right like where channels were not available you think 2020 2021 cinema attendance was down there's all sorts of reasons why a channel might not be available to you it's not always the case that one replaces the other they're all conditional on the goal so for example let's say you don't want to use facebook for some reason the replacement the, the potential replacement for that channel depends on the KPI that you're trying to move. So it's not the case that, oh, you'll always buy newspaper to replace Facebook. It's not a simple equivalence. You don't have a simple heuristic. It depends on the other things that you have on at the same time and what you're trying to achieve. So if you're saying, oh, I'm not going to use Facebook. So the replacement, if I'm trying to drive association, might be newspaper. And if I'm trying to drive something else, might be online display. So it's really contextual and it depends on largely the, the KPI you're trying to drive that conditions the replacement. So you can't just say, oh, Facebook is just digital this, you know, or it's just news, but doing it another way. You have to accept the complexity in this environment and pay attention to what you're trying to drive
1: it's a complex question with a complex answer, isn't it? But I think overall to kind of wrap up what we've discussed, it's about going back to basics, which is to clearly identify campaign objectives, choose channels that are best designed to drive those, and also take into account channel synergies and the role that they'll play in that planning process as well. So it's not rocket science, but it's just reminding people that those are the, you know, the things that are needed to be considered when it comes to channel choice.
2: Yeah. and. That goes to like, you think about the intent and a lot of the comments that I've seen around this research is like, oh, that's precisely what we do. And if that's the case, I'm so glad that's in fact what you do. I just want to be everybody to be very aware of the trap. (laughs) That is you intended and you started from strategy to go towards a specific goal and turning just specific channels. But then upon execution, you fall prey to creep of you know usage you go oh you know i'm gonna use this i'm gonna turn this on i have this little bit of budget it's very easy to fall into that trap that it won't cost me anything or so what i'll just experiment over here experimentation is good learning is good trying new things is good but if you're just in this always on and everything on simultaneously you will be in the worst performing cluster, which is the the shotgun approach. Use everything at once. You will have the worst performing marketing campaign that we have observed. So that's, to me, that's the biggest warning is follow your strategy, achieve your KPI. Don't hedge your bets.
1: Brilliant. And I think that's a great way to bring this conversation to a close. So thank you everyone for listening and please do get in touch if you've got any questions and want to find out more. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this off-stage audio session and thanks to our partners at Quantcast. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In the next offstage session, Anomaly's Johnny Vulcan talks transformation, acceleration and the importance of being curious and open-minded. Coming up as part of Stay Engaged.